Welcome to Riding in the Weeds. You are here with Ginny and Tash and we are talking about in life we start riding in the weeds and there are so many tools, so many ways that we can get back out of them and it's not a matter of being judgmental about the fact that we get into the weeds. It's about what we do when we're in the weeds so we can come back out of them and through our experiences working with horses, working with bikes, working with people, running our own businesses, Ginny and I have a whole lot of ideas and a whole lot of ways that we believe we can help you as we help ourselves get through the weeds and come back out of them. So thank you for joining us today. We're talking today about doing the hard thing. And this is something that Ginny has been super excited to bring to the podcast. So we're going to have this conversation with you about doing the hard thing first. So this conversation is worth listening to if you are somebody that finds yourself making goals, either writing them down or having them in your head. And it can be as simple as you want to get the dishes done, but it feels more comfortable to watch another episode of that Netflix show. It feels a little more comfortable to do anything but do the dishes or do those five push-ups or do whatever it is that will get you closer to that goal that you set and instead you find yourself avoiding it. So what we want to talk about is a whole lot of ways and actually just the simplest tool that you can put in your toolbox which will help you find other tools that will actually get you to that point where you start doing the hard thing first and making steps towards the goals. Before we start here, I want to say that what I have really been learning in the last week or so, and it's been hitting home, is that there are percentages that get thrown around in the world. And they say things like 3% of people write down their goals. And then it's always like 3% or 97%. And 97% of people don't end up following through on their New Year's resolutions. And I've started to realize that there's a lot of correlation and it's generally the 3% and the 97%. And I read a book once that said 97% of people live hell on earth because they do not do the things that they want to do because they are too busy thinking that they are comfortable. So we're going to talk about how easy it is to put yourself in the 3% of human beings that are actually working towards having the life that they want to have. All right. With all that said, Ginny, welcome. How are you today? I'm good, Tosh. How are you? I'm doing good. Yeah, I achieved a goal this morning and I went surfing. Mm. Well, no, I didn't go surfing. I took a surfboard into the water and I paddled around and then I paddled it back out of the water. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so That's on our one. list of tools we're going to talk about down a little further, right? Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. It comes in perfectly with yes. what we're talking about today. Yes. Yeah, so, I, I am excited to dive into this topic. It hit me not that long ago. And I don't remember whether I was reading something from somebody I follow or what. But I think the bottom line is, particularly when we set a goal, but sometimes even when we don't set a goal, we're uncomfortable. Right? Like, if I want to ride my bike more because I can't go ride on the trails as far as I want to, that means I'm uncomfortable because I'm not fit enough to handle riding those trails, right? That's uncomfortable, right? 
if I want to take my dog out for walks, but he doesn't walk well on a leash, that's uncomfortable. If I want to do more things with my horse, but he doesn't behave, that's uncomfortable to deal with his behavior. But training or trying to achieve the goal is uncomfortable, <laughs> right? Like this is where the mind bending part starts. Trying to get to the goal is difficult. It's uncomfortable. It's doing something you haven't done much of before. In fitness, it's easy to see this because when you start trying to work out, it hurts, right? It's uncomfortable. Exercising your muscles when they're not used to it is uncomfortable. So you're gonna be uncomfortable either way. And I don't know about anybody else, but when I recognized that, it was like, oh, well, I might as well pick the thing that's going to get me closer to doing things I want to do. We were just talking about this before we started recording and I said to Jenny, I'm like, is that like always the case though? Do you always identify yourself as being uncomfortable before you start to set goals? And I believe that you're absolutely right. However, you may identify with another way of thinking about it. And what I was thinking is because sometimes we just set goals because we've identified a problem. And having identified the problem, if you go down the whole line, absolutely, you're probably uncomfortable because you haven't done a certain thing. And sometimes in order for us to get to the point of wanting that goal or wanting that thing, it's actually about putting ourselves into the space of being the person that has the thing. So an example I have here is that I didn't have a drinking problem. And yet I chose last year, actually the end of the year before, that I was going to stop drinking. And the number one reason I was uncomfortable was because I really like those people that could say, oh, I don't drink. Or I drink very seldom. And I was like, oh, I want to be able to say that. I want to be one of those people that can be like, eh, drinking, I can take it or leave it. Because I found that if I wasn't having a glass of wine, I was wondering whether I was going to have a glass of wine. So it was a question on an almost daily basis as to whether I was going to or not have. If we go out for tacos, am I going to have a margarita or am I not going to have a margarita? And I really wanted to step into the space of being someone that could say, oh, no, I just don't drink. Because it just sounds really cool. And by identifying wanting to be that person for no other reason than it just sounded like a cool thing to do, it gave me the motivation to become that person, right? And so it, it wasn't necessarily about getting uncomfortable as much as identifying a way that I wanted to exist in the world. And that actually made things a little bit easier around that whole discomfort thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think I would even say that you may potentially have been uncomfortable with the idea that every time you went out, you had to ask that question. And so to me, there's still some sort of a, a discomfort in your system that's like, oh, dang, I'm going out again. Like, uh, am I going to drink? Do I, do I feel the pressure? There's a pressure there. And I'm sure making the decision to not drink, especially in the beginning, was probably uncomfortable, right? Like the first couple times you go out, you're like, oh, 
oh dang, like I'm not gonna be that person anymore. And that can be really challenging. You're choosing the discomfort now that's gonna get you closer to the goal. And that to me is the biggest key. You were uncomfortable having to contemplate every time you went out, whether you were really drinking or not. And so why not contemplate, hey, maybe I can be the person that doesn't drink. It's gonna be difficult when you encounter that situation where you're triggered with the same scenario again. It doesn't apply to every situation, but the sheer logic of the fact that like, well, I'm already uncomfortable. I want to make a change. And wanting to make a change to me says there's something that isn't sitting right anymore, that isn't settled anymore. Or you do genuinely just want to achieve a goal that you would like to do, but you don't want to be where you are anymore. And when I just realized the logic behind this, I was like, well, damn. You're absolutely right. It's completely true. And I think the reason why this part of the conversation is so important, because that is the mind bending part, because your mind will be like, well, I'm not really uncomfortable. Yeah. No, and, and it's okay if I fail, because I, I mean, life is just fine as it is. The dishes, I don't really mind having a dirty kitchen. I've been living this way forever. But I don't have a dish to eat on next (laughs) meal. There's the discomfort, right? You know, or like, well, I can skip walking the dog today. But you know what? Now I need to take the dog to the vet. And it's really (laughs) uncomfortable. I was the embarrassing person in the vet with my dogs. My dog cried the entire time we were there because I avoided doing the training because the training was uncomfortable. You know, but we were uncomfortable in the vet's office anyway. So what difference does it make? And now I was embarrassed and uncomfortable in the vet's office, right? Like I could have taken the time and it would have been so much better for my dogs and for me. Well, and now you're talking about that whole delayed gratification thing, right? It's like, okay, well, if I eat the jelly bean now... I have instant gratification that I got the jelly bean. But if I had have waited, I could have had four jelly beans. So now I'm uncomfortable because I kind of want more jelly beans and I only got one and I want three more. But because I didn't wait, I'll get three more. I read something once and it was all about having a relationship with your future self. And most people really don't care about their future self. They don't have a relationship with that person. They're not them. And you know what, honestly, I'm going to eat the cake and tomorrow Tash can deal with the extra five pounds and how that's going to make her feel. Because today Tash is going to really enjoy the cake, you know? And so if we can't create that relationship with our future self and we don't care enough about our future self, then every time we're going to take the route that feels comfortable for us right now. And then you even get to the point where you're like, well, past Tash didn't care about me right now. So why should I care about future Tash? And it's almost like you're having this bitter relationship with yourself, which probably creates bitter relationships with everybody else in your life. It's just this interesting, again, I love your word mind bending. And if we can just come back to, the okay what is the thing that could move me from this little bit of discomfort through to the comfort 
on the other side? How can I build that muscle that will create the motivation that will allow me to continue to take those little steps? Yeah. And I think for me, like, no, you can't logic your way into these choices, but understanding from this perspective that you're going to be uncomfortable anyway, to me, it helps me make that right choice for my future self. Because it's like, well, damn, I'm going to be uncomfortable no matter what I do. No matter what I choose, I will be uncomfortable in some manner. So therefore, I might as well pick the thing that's going to make me comfortable towards the goal I want. Because then I'm going to have a better outcome in the long run. When you know that, then you can start going to look for the tools that are going to work for you. Uh, I think also it puts you in the driver's seat of the choices as well. Like, for example, I made the choice last night that the dishes had gotten to the point where I was not actually interested, willing. I'm not going to say able because of course I was able. I could have gotten up and done the dishes. It was fine. But the way that things had gotten, it was like I had to kick my husband out and then I had to spend the time or I could go and sit by the fire, enjoy the moon, the stars and be like tomorrow I'm going to deal with all of this. And then I'm going to deal with a bunch of stuff so that there's a little bit less chance of this getting it to this point. But you know what? I was in charge of that. I am going to choose to take the discomfort tomorrow over this discomfort. And there isn't actually without me completely doing everything, just doing a little bit right now is actually going to make it worse (laughs) and not better. And yet you're in charge, but then I did a little bit of something else instead. And so really identifying when and where we can make the choices puts us in charge of the hard decisions. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think that speaks to the fact that remaining present with those choices is really what's the key. Like you have to be present with the fact that, okay, I am at point A, I want to be at point B. What am I gonna choose to do that's gonna get me to point B? Because when you aren't willing to be present to that, then you're never gonna get anywhere but where you are. And numbing out or disassociating or whatever you wanna call it, binging on Netflix is not going to allow you to be present with that decision. And the decisions are uncomfortable. I think that's the whole point of this conversation. The whole damn thing is uncomfortable. (laughs) Like when you're facing this kind of stuff, it is hard. And I think as a learner, someone who is seeking to do things differently, that's where it's important to go find the tools that are gonna work for you. And if you encounter someone, like you said, learning fitness from someone who's thin may not work for you. Those tools may not work for you. That doesn't mean you're broken. That doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. Just means you need to go find different tools. In our world with the internet, you have an insane amount of choices for finding the information. Like insane, the amount of things you can find. And a lot of it for free. Like a huge amount of it for free between libraries and YouTube and Google and like ChatGPT in our world. You can find so much information, but it's up to you 
to go sort through it and say, okay, this is useful to me. This is not useful to me. Because what works for me might not work for Tosh. And what works for Tosh might not work for me. There's value in going and exploring options. That's one of the things that I think I've benefited from a lot of different people, particularly in business, is like, well, how do you do this? How do you do this? Because sometimes I don't even know what's possible. So I need to go explore those things. Like Marie Kondo has an amazing amount of resources. They probably don't work for everybody because not everybody loves cleaning the way Marie Kondo does. That's fine. That doesn't mean you're broken. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. And there's no shame in not being able to Marie Kondo your house. God knows you don't want to see what's outside of this little picture frame right now. <laughs> you know, there's no shame in that. But you have to make the choice that you're going to go find different tools at that point. And just keep looking until you find the answer that clicks. Like that's what counts. I absolutely love that. And I think that is something that we get so lost with. And again, we were having this conversation before we jumped online was that there's two different types of coaching in the world. There might be more than two, but I think there's two distinct types of, and not even coaching. You've got the same with a chiropractor or a PT or any profession. There's two ways that they can do things. Now, now I'm on the chiropractor thought. It's like, you can either go to the chiropractor and they are going to crack your back to the point where you get enough relief that you then come back, right? Or you've got like the active release, the ART therapy that's become so much more popular with osteopaths where they're actually massaging you they're working towards transforming you from where you are to where you want to be and they know that they can move this and that's going to allow that to shift and then you're going to be able to go and do stuff which will mean you have to come back especially if they keep moving you forward you're going to transform you'll be able to do more things they're actually going to have you as a better customer for longer versus that person that gives you just enough information that you have to keep using them and you can't be free because they give you the perfect diet plan that allows you to lose the 10 pounds but that diet plan doesn't work in the real world and they don't give you the information to integrate that to transform you into somebody who can now choose your own way of eating when you go to a restaurant you're able to actually fit it in and it's the education and the giving you information versus transformation. And I think a lot of that comes from being somebody who it comes naturally to. I'm really good at this. And I'm going to tell you how you can do it too. But just like my physics teacher when I was 13, and I'm a search for the answer person. I'm a smart learner. However, I need to know the process in order to learn. I ask questions, I need to break it down, and I need to then make it work for me. And so I was the annoying kid in the class. How did you get to that answer? And my teacher, God bless him, he was the most amazing man. I loved him to death. He was so cute. And, you know, but he says to me, he's like, I have no idea. I just know the answer. And I'm like, I can't learn from you because that doesn't help. I need to know the process. And I tried to get into a class with a different teacher because I was like, I, I can't learn from this man. I started trying to learn from him beginning of my high school career. Now I'm like at the end and you've put me in his class and I can tell you for a fact, I am not going to pass. 
and the guidance counselor didn't give me a new class they said you should probably pick a different profession then because if you're not going to pass you're not going to get into, into college i mean that's a whole different conversation however okay. like that is how the world works right like some people are just giving you the information and it's useless unless you are the same person as them and then you've got the other people that it's like they're helping you transform the person who has had the issue they've worked through all the tools and they've figured out how to make it work for them they're going to help you transform or the person who has constantly struggled with self-image and up and down on weight and working out and not working out and they finally find a away or they've just got processes that they they use when okay you know I just get uncomfortable again and I know that I'm not working out so I need to figure out how to get back on the bandwagon that person has the ability for you to transform yeah versus someone teaching from a strength because if it's not your strength the process is not going to work for you yeah one of the keys is that you find a teacher who's willing to say, this is how I did it, but there are other ways to do it. And let's help you find the way that's gonna click for you. That to me is a sign of a good teacher, one that's willing to explore and one that's willing to work through whatever it is you're encountering and not say, well, that's not how I did it, you're wrong. That's not how my process works, you're wrong, you're a failure, shame on you. Yeah, their method might work for some people, but not everybody. And if they're trying to shame you because their method doesn't work for you, then that's not gonna get you anywhere. And so it's important when you're in that uncomfortable place of trying to achieve the goal is to look around at those choices and discern what's going to work for you. But if it brings up shame or it brings up not good enough or it brings up failure, that's probably a method that you should bypass and go look for something else. Because if you're trying, then that's a success. And you will be uncomfortable. And being uncomfortable doesn't mean it's wrong. I think that's where we get hung up a lot in our culture is we have this idea that, oh, well, when I'm gonna get fit, I'm gonna feel better. But there's like a huge gap between where you start and the feeling better part. You know, there's a really big space for me right now between the amount of time I can spend on the bike, which is even less now than it was before because I haven't been able to ride. You know, there's this massive space between where I am now and where I really want to be. And in that space is discomfort. But that's exactly how it's supposed to be. And if as long as we know that, then we're not going to make the discomfort wrong, which would make us stop doing what we're trying to do to get to our goal. And our brains love to tell us that the discomfort is wrong. That plays right into our cultural norms, right into our brain patterns. But that is normal. That's how it is. That's the only way we're ever going to get anywhere. And so that's the part of the logic. Like I said, it's mind bending to me, but that's the part of the logic that was kind of key for me being able to make some shifts and being able to make those choices that are hard. Because I was like, well, I'm going to be uncomfortable anyway. I might as well make the choice that's going to put me closer to the goal I want to achieve. So I'm sitting here listening to you and I'm thinking that this is exactly why you and I have a podcast that's called Riding in the Weeds. Because both of us work in situations with people where we actually do 
work with them where they're at. So when you're talking to somebody and you're communicating with their animal, you are connecting with first the person, you're connecting with the problem that they have, and then you're going to go in and you're going to have a chat to the animal and you're going to identify what they think about the problem the human's having. And you're going to come back and you're going to give the human a perspective from two sides, both like, okay, from my experience, this is something that can help you. And this is where your animal is at. And this is the experience they're having. And we could go into that and that that's our follow-up to Tiaki issue. You've got the human perspective and you've got the animal perspective and you can bring them together. Every single person you talk to has a different problem. Every animal you talk to is a complete unique being. We are all unique beings. But the thing is, is your process is actually the same with everyone to get them the transformation. But you're able to match the process to the situation. And when I'm teaching mountain biking and with the whole idea of teaching people the transformation in having more confidence to move into what it is they want to do in their lives, again, it's the same tools. Everybody comes to me with their bike thinking they want to learn a thing. I want to be better at doing X, Y, Z. And really, it's the same thing that I teach. It's the same process that I go through with everybody, but I match it to their level. I match it to their starting point. I match it to their learning styles. I match it to the injury they've just had, the trauma they might have experienced, whatever it is. And I make it work with them so that they can make it work for them. And I am teaching them the tools that they need for them to make the skills I'm teaching them fit into every situation they encounter on their bikes. And I believe that that's the same way as you go about you're teaching them a process. These are certain skills that work for everybody and this is how you can integrate it in. So you don't need to keep coming back to me every time your dog barks at something in the night. We're going to solve that. And then we're going to have another issue, which is why does the dog need to bark every time I get on my bicycle? I, your barking does not run my bike. And, <laughs> and that's like, that's a next step in our progression and now I need an update on how to manage this next step because we've moved through this one and I've gotten to the point where like, okay, now we need to go to another level and have another conversation. I've now mastered being able to ride a green trail and I've come to a level of my progression where I actually need a few more tips and tools because I'm struggling now at moving onto the blue trails. And so they're gonna come back. But you don't want to leave somebody where they can't ride their bike without you because you haven't given them the ability to work through the process on their own. And you don't want somebody to be calling you every time they have an issue with their dog because a lot of them, it's just a matter of like, oh, okay, well, that worked in that situation. Let me try it here. Okay, now we've gotten to another big hurdle. It's time for me to go back and move through this next space. And that's that leveling up and moving through because now I've gotten super uncomfortable again. I've identified a problem and 
I don't know how, or I can do it on my own, but I know I can do it faster with somebody else. Yeah. And I think what we're also talking about here is the idea of the four levels of learning, which is starting with unconscious incompetence, where you literally don't know that you don't know something, and moving into conscious incompetence, where you're aware that you don't know something, which to me, that's where we're talking about the pain of where you are. That's the conscious incompetence. You're like, dang, I want something different than where I'm at. And then you move into the next level, which is conscious competence, where doing this skill takes a lot of thought, it takes a lot of energy, and it takes a lot of effort to accomplish, whether that's biking, whether that's business, whether that's working with your pet, it doesn't matter. It takes a lot of energy. It's like first learning to drive a car. It's like, man, the beginning learning to drive a car is hard because there's so many things you need to be doing at one time. But that last level is the unconscious competence where you no longer have to think about it. I can now hold conversations while I'm in the car. It doesn't matter to me. I can enjoy some scenery. Obviously, I still have to be careful, but I'm not thinking about every single little action that I'm taking as I'm driving. And so those are the levels. And the thing is, you're going to work your way through them and then you're going to start back over again. And you're going to go forward some steps and then you're going to go backward a little bit. And that is the cycle of learning. But I think it's that middle phase that we're really talking about here. You're going to be uncomfortable when you know you're not where you want to be. And you're going to be uncomfortable trying to get where you want to be. It's going to be hard. That doesn't make it wrong. And unless we're willing to move into that harder phase, you're never going to achieve anything in, in life. Like it doesn't really matter. One of the things I think I've learned about myself as a learner is that the more I can learn about how I learn, the more I can apply things from one area of my life to the next area of my life to the next area of my life. And I find myself now when I have a challenge and I happen to see a book recommended. It's called How to Keep House While Drowning. And it sounds hilarious, but I'm getting business advice <laughs> and business information out of a book on how to keep my house clean. The more I learn about myself as a learner, the more I can bridge the gaps between ideas and topics, which again, that's part of why we do this podcast together is because our conversations, it was like, oh, dang, well, that's how it is in biking. Oh, well, that's how it is with your pets. And oh, well, that applies to business. And like, that's why we ended up having these talks because it's like so many of the things started to be able to connect the dots across the board of things that seem unrelated. Like what does running a business have to do with keeping your house clean? A lot, apparently. <laughs> the other day I was listening to something and it said that Strava have found that day 19 is quitter's day. Most people start something 19 days in, they quit. And I Funny. bet you the statistics are like 97% of people, <laughs> right? And it's right at that point where you've identified a problem, the, you don't know what you don't know, and then you start learning, and then you get just before you get to the conscious competence, when you get to level three or you're just before level three, you're not quite seeing the results yet, but things are getting really uncomfortable. You started running and now everything hurts. You started going yeah. to the gym and on day 19, you don't want to go anymore. And that is yeah. where the rubber hits the road 
And I'm just going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say that if you want to be in the top 3% of people that achieve the things they want in their life, it is as easy as recognizing that point when you have to go from like, this is too hard to I'm going to do it anyway. And the one sort of real tool that I believe will get us through that discomfort is the envisioning, like I find people that tell me that they write down their goals and they have a weekly plan done on Sunday and then they review it at the end of the week. Those people trigger me because I so want to be one of them. And I'm like, that sounds so rigid. Like you can't have any fun in your life. You know, and I start judging them because I want to be someone who can say that. And that's how I was like, I'm going to stop drinking because I want to be the person who can say that. I'm going to start running every day because I want to be the person who's like, yeah, I go running every day. Um, I have to say that on day nine, I did something to my ankle. <laughs> so, I went, I'm going to day 19. We have to know that's going to happen. And I know for myself now, when I encounter things like this, the faster I can go, well, here we are. Like, oh, look, it's day 19. I don't want to do this anymore. Or, oh, look, I started trying to run. Now my ankle is hurting. Hmm, gonna have to adjust course. It's like sailing. If you don't adjust your sails when the wind changes, you aren't gonna get where you want to go. Talking about applying things across the board. If you can apply that theory to anything you do, then it's gonna make life so much easier. And it's that balance, like, yeah, thinking about having a schedule and thinking about sitting down on Sunday and making a plan for the week, that sounds very rigid. But oftentimes I think what we find is that when we can balance the structure with the freedom, then you get total freedom. And it's like, how can I figure out how to make my goals with some structure and then allow myself the time to adapt so that when I hit the bump on day 19, I'm prepared and I have a plan to adjust. That's the key. I was doing a review of January and I was getting very like, I didn't do anything in January. And then after the session, I walked away and I was like, you know, if I had actually been in the session and been real with myself and gone, okay, I had a lot going on before January to lead up to the 2nd of January. And my goal for the first two weeks in January was to actually get to Mexico safely, was to get things in order, was to get to our friend's house and get organized and then get down to our property and get ourselves set up. I achieved all of those goals and I really needed that downtime. So if I'd actually set my goals for January to be those realistic things, I could have sat in that review session and said, yep, I actually totally nailed it. I've really realized by using tools such as body doubling, which is, you know, focus mate, I go on and I work with people or I go to co-working sessions and I go in and I'm like, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. I got 49 emails. I'm going to get rid of all of them. And we get back 50 minutes later and the person's like, how'd you do? I'm like, I did one. Yeah, right. (laughs) I did one email. And every time you do that, you're like, it's not possible for me 
to do 49 emails in an hour. So next time I go in, I'm going to be like, I'm going to get two emails that are really important out of this inbox. So I'm going to get two of these 49 emails out of this inbox. And at the end of it, because I set a realistic goal, I'm going to come back and be like, you know what? I actually got four. And then you start to enjoy the process. Yeah. I think we should probably dive into this more in the next episode. But one of the issues that we run into is that I think we habitually set goals that are unrealistic. Our brains are like, oh yeah, I can clear out 49 emails in 50 minutes, no problem. But if we really stop to think about it, we would know that that's not reasonable. And knowing that, I'm almost to a point now, again, understanding my own learning process, where I set goals that sound too small. Like, if I'm being honest with myself and I'm being really real about my goals, I will set goals. If I read you the list of things I want to do, you'd be like, really, Jen? One? Come on. Ride the bike for two minutes? Really? Well, yeah, because then I can actually accomplish it. I feel better about myself and I might ride for five minutes instead. But if I set the goal for five minutes and then I start feeling that resistance around it, it's not going to happen. Then I won't get on the bike at all. What's better, two minutes or five minutes that I didn't do? Well, and and that's me with the running. I'm like, I don't actually know if I can physically run. I stopped running 15 years ago because I had a knee problem. And I don't even have running shoes. Like the the shoes I've been using are these barefoot training shoes that I might have had for 15 years. I, I may or may not have actually stepped on something and twisted my ankle. Or it might have just been that I was running in really bad shoes. But the fact that I ran for nine days and I stretched every day before, I felt so good that when I get new shoes and my ankle feels better. I'm like so excited to try again. And I'm also totally okay with getting five days in and my ankle hurting again and being like, right now I know running now, maybe I'll walk instead. (laughs) Not working for me. We need to come up with a different plan. Yeah. Yeah. And adjust the sales. Adjust the sales. And I love that you brought that up. So we are going to wrap this up because we've got a plan that next week we're actually going to talk about things like body doubling. We're going to talk about adjusting the sales. We're going to talk about how we actually really put this into place. So the point of our conversation today was that you are uncomfortable if you're making goals. And if you're not uncomfortable, make goals so you become uncomfortable. And then do the hard thing first, but just pick one hard thing to do that's little and measurable. We had a coach and she used to talk about the three foot toss and you only wanted to have like three, three foot tosses. And then once you did those, you've now made a nine foot toss and you're nine feet further along. And in doing that, You're able to start identifying what's working, what's not working, where's your process, and we get transformation. And when we can remember that you are one small action step away from stepping into the 3% of people that achieve what they want in their lives versus the 97% of people that numb out and keep themselves in discomfortable comfort that it is that simple and we're with you working this through 
because that's what riding in the weeds is all about. It's knowing that life is going to life. And we've got to figure out how to ride into the weeds and then ride back out of them. And every single time, making it a little bit less time that we spend lost in the weeds. And I have a great analogy about an ant that I'm sure I've told before on this podcast. Not going to go there again. Do you have any final thoughts, Jenny? No, I love it. I think this is a perfect place to stop. So yeah, excited about the next episode. Awesome. Well, I am Natasha Lucky. I am a transformational bike coach and confidence coach. I help people achieve the things that they want to get to in your life. You know when you have an intuitive hit that you want to do something, but you've got a laundry list of things that are telling you why you cannot. I help you figure out the small action steps that you can take to build those muscles and get you to living the life of your dream and being the person that you want to be on the other side. And you can find me, Natasha Lockie, on Facebook. You can find me at Betty Gohard on Instagram. And feel free to send me a message. I have some amazing free strategy calls that you can sign up with me at any time, half an hour. We can go through just looking at any action steps that you might want to, to take. So just hit me up, DM meetwithtash.com is my Calendly link. And how about you, Jenny? Yeah, I'm Jenny Brandon. I'm an animal communicator and energy healer for animals and their people too. And I'm going to help you if you have challenges with your dogs or your pets and with behavior or emotional things. And we can work through it together to help both of you get back to harmony and improve the relationship. So you can find me at soulpetconnections.com or on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube under the same handle. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. We'd love to hear from you. You can find the podcast on ridinginintheweeds.com and on all major podcast platforms. We're also on Instagram, so check us out there as well, and YouTube. Leave us a comment, suggestions if you have any, and likes and shares are always appreciated. So thank you so much for joining us today, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day.